Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. For more information about Adventure Church, please visit our website at adventurechurch.tv. Now prepare your hearts for a message from God's Word. We are continuing in our swag series, and over this whole series we've been talking about how do we live with with godly confidence, not arrogance, but confidence in who we are in God, who he created us to be, being a child of him, having a specific DNA and plan that he's laid out for our lives, and how we overcome our past because it's usually a big anchor that can drag many of us down and away from the purpose that God has for our life. And today we're going to talk about how we can have swag that lasts, that it's not just this shot of adrenaline that we get on a Sunday morning, but it's something that we continually tap into, that we live with that kind of confidence, walking in God's purpose and favor for our life. Uh, a few months ago, actually it had been a couple years ago at the church I was at in Oklahoma City, we had a, a ministry there, part of our church called the Beautiful Dream Society, and it was about helping women who were trapped in slavery and the sex trade and setting them free in, in a country in Africa. And, and so they did this 5K fundraiser event where they would, you know, do, do anyone, does anyone run 5Ks? Does anyone run for fun? There's a few of you that run for fun, and I don't understand you at all, I don't get it. I try like to think about like this could be enjoyable, but the, the sports I grew up playing running was when you, you ran when you did something wrong, you know, it was like, hey, you were late to practice, go run, hey, you fumbled the ball, go run, you know, you missed, go run, and so I'm not really into running, and so thankfully I had a great excuse that day as to why I couldn't participate, and, and they, they did have like this fun run walk thing, so you could just walk with people, so I thought, man, I have kids, there's no way I can leave Jess with, actually it was just Riley at that time with Riley, you know, I'm sure she's going to need help pushing the stroller every now and then. So I'll just hang back. And, and I thought some of the other guys were going to do that as well. And so we show up to the race and, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of there and all the people line up for the, the shotgun to go off and to, to take off into the race. And, and I look and, and I'm the only male with all of these ladies pushing their kids in strollers. And I'm like, well, this isn't going to you know, work for me. I'm like, where's, where's your husband? They're like, oh, he's running. He's up. I'm like, he's running. Why is he running? I thought we, we all had this pack. We were going to walk with our kids and support our spouse, you know, our wife. And, and so they don't know they're all going to run. And so, and so they're up in the front, and I'm way in the back. And the, the whatever, I don't think it was a gun. It could have been a gun. Something made us start, and they take off running. And I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of walking, and then I'm thinking about the harassment that I could get after this race if I don't, you know, step my game up a little bit. And so I take off, and look, it's a 5K, so what is that? Someone help me, runners, 3.1? Well, it felt like 20.1, but, but it was 3.1 miles. I hadn't been running at all, no, no preparation, so I just take off running. And I'll tell you, like the first while, it was really hard. I could just see the guys, I'm like, I just got to catch them, and then maybe I can talk them into walking, you know, taking a break, or, you know, you know, turning around at the halfway point and going back, like something. So I'm just, I'm working really hard to get caught up, but it was just, my body wasn't used to it. I was immediately, like, kind of getting sore and winded, and it just took me forever to finally get caught up to them. So finally I get caught up and they're continuing to run. I couldn't talk them into stopping. So I just keep running with these guys, right? But, it, but eventually, like halfway through, I, I kind of like started finding my rhythm a little bit. I started getting kind of in the flow of it. And I actually finished 
better than I started. And I ended up running it in like 32 minutes or something, which I was pretty proud of. I was like, man, 32 minutes, those of you who run again, don't even judge me, you know, with that look. I didn't run at all. And so I was pretty happy with how I finished. And today as I was thinking about this message, and, and a lot of times we're really concerned with how we start something. Like, how do we start out? We've got to start strong. We've got to do it. And I, and I get that. But today I want you to realize is that God is more concerned with how you finish than how you start. He's more concerned with how you finish the race, how you continue to live, because we're all going to stand before God on Sunday, and we all want to be there where he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. He's more concerned with how you finish than how you started. He's more concerned with, again, with our future than he is our past. So some of you, you may feel like, man, I got a late start in my walk with God. I, I had a rough start where I just couldn't you know, kind of figure this out. And today I want to encourage you that if, if you're going to have swag that lasts, confidence that lasts, you got to start beginning more concerned with your future and how you finish what God's called you to do than how you started it out. You know, when I, when I go to work out now, I started working out with people who actually do it more consistently than me, and they, they started taking this stuff called a pre-workout where you, you, it's a powder, you shake it up, you drink it, and what it does, some of it has caffeine in it, the stuff I use doesn't, but it, 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 it helps you, it kind of gives you that initial boost. For those of you who are here this morning, if you drink coffee, raise your hand. Wow, man. That's all we, Vanessa, when you want people to raise their hands in worship, just say that real quick. Who drinks coffee? Hey, I do, all right, Lord, we pray, uh, however you want to do it. But, but you drink coffee, why? Because you want that initial boost in the morning, right? People are like, don't, don't talk to me, you know. I saw a, a coffee mug that said, you know, at this level, you can say hi to me. You know, don't say anything. At this level, you can wave. And then when my cup is this much left, you can actually talk to me uh, kind of levels. And, and we need that, and we get that initial boost of energy to kind of get our day going. But God doesn't want your relationship with him to be like a pre-workout or a cup of coffee in the morning that just gives you this initial boost, and then throughout the rest of the day, you just kind of decline And every day you try to get this jump start with God. He wants the swag to wear off. He doesn't want to be your morning cup of coffee. He wants you, you know, that just gets you throughout the day. He wants you to be consistently plugged into him, having swag, having confidence, living the life that he called you to to live. He doesn't want this up and down relationship with you. He wants it to be this steady incline because he's not more concerned with how you start. He's more concerned with how you finish. You're supposed to finish that... Okay, more coffee maybe if we still have some if you guys need it. So swag really to me, if, if, if we were to judge, okay, how do you really know if someone has swag? How do you really know if they're living in confidence? To me, it would be that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is evident in our lives. The Bible says that we aren't to judge people with, with your past, with your issues, like this, most of those things are between you and God, but the Bible says that we can judge a tree by its fruit. So if you see an apple tree, you know it's an apple tree. If you see an orange tree, you know that it's an orange tree. And so the Bible says that when the Holy Spirit comes within us, when we come to be a Christ follower, that there should be fruit of that in our life, that people should be able to look at us and see by the fruit of our life who, who we're living for, what kind of swag we have. And so Galatians 5, through 23 describes the fruit of the Spirit. Some of you can probably ramble these off from memory from when you were a kid. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So as I was thinking about today, what's swag that last look like? Like what's a, what's a believer's life that's fruitful look like? This is it. 
that we are people who, who are full of God's joy. You talk about someone who has confidence, someone who has joy in God. And again, a joy isn't a feeling. Happiness is a feeling that comes and goes depending on the weather, depending on you know, the day, our circumstances. Joy is this peace, is this, is this something that we get that we say, man, the Holy Spirit produces this in my life because no matter what happens to me, I can have joy because of what Jesus did for me. I can have joy because I'm living for God, I'm living according to his purpose, that we have those things, that we have peace in the midst of storm, that someone can look to your life and in the midst of chaos that's going on, they can say, but you still have peace. What is that? Where do you get that kind of fruit? Because if that happened to me, I wouldn't have the peace that you have. That, that God produces those things in us. Patience. How many of us need more patience in our life, right? That God, the Holy Spirit can produce patience in us dealing with our kids and, and dealing with a, a, a disgruntled coworker or boss to where he gives us those things. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. All these fruits, the things that the Holy Spirit produces in us is what Living a life of swag to me should look like. Being confident in God, having the fruit of his spirit in your life. So you go, okay, that's great. That's what the fruit looks like. But any tree has to to be planted in something. It has to be watered to grow. How do we produce that kind of fruit in our life? And Jesus tells us in John chapter 15, and today if you want to follow along on the screen, you can do that also at the Adventure Church app. If you are a smartphone user, you can download that for your Droid or your uh, iPhone device in the app store, but you can follow along in the live portion on your notes. Take notes for yourself. Encourage you to put use to that. But John 15, starting in verse 1 through 8, it says this, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. He says this, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered in a pile and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples and this brings great glory to my Father. What an awesome passage that Jesus gives us this description of, again, this is the fruit of the Spirit. We just went through those. Love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all those good things. And he says, and this is how you produce fruit. He says, if you want fruit, you have to remain in me. And for us to have swag that lasts, that's the first thing we have to realize today, is that you must remain in Christ. Not just getting connected on a Sunday morning, but that you remain in him throughout your week, staying connected 24-7. He says, when you remain in me, I will remain in you. But most of us want it to be the other way around. We want to say, God, you remain in me, and then I will remain in you. When I know that you're here, when I can sense you, when life is good, man, I'm plugged in. I'm ready to go, God. But when it gets a little bit bad, I can tend to want to unplug. Even in the short history of our church, we've been about eight months, I've seen people already eight months in who have come, who have gotten connected, who've made a commitment to Christ here. We follow up with them, I've called them, but they've they've already made a choice to unplug. They haven't remained. And and most of the time, they have good reasons. Life is getting tough, it's difficult, some stuff has happened, whatever it is, but they chose to unplug. And we go, well, God, 
you know, I can plug in when it's easy, but when it gets hard, you know, I don't know if I can remain. And we want God to remain in us when we haven't remained in him. And Jesus himself here is saying, if you want fruit, if you want fruit that lasts, if you want swag that lasts in your life, you have to remain plugged in to Jesus. It's as simple as thinking of, of electricity and power. Uh, this week I was working at our new office, which I'm very happy to have, and I heard a generator go pop, like boom, something blue, right? And the power was down. And have you ever had power go out and you forget how much you rely on it? Anyone else been there before? Thankfully it was cool, it wasn't hot, those kind of things. But I'm like, oh, I gotta check something online. Oh, my internet's not working because the router is powered by electricity. And you go to, you know, the power's been out, you flip on the light, or you try to do, you just do things because you're so used to the power that you don't realize you know, how useless many things are without electricity. Like, most of the stuff we use is no good if there's no power to supply the, the, the energy that it needs to, to do what it's supposed to do. And that's really how we have to look at our life with Christ. That He is right here, what He is saying is, is this, is that if you want to produce fruit, which everyone who's a follower of God is saying, yes, I want my life to be fruitful, I want it to make a difference. We've established that throughout this series. Last week we talked about that more people want to make an impact with their life than they want to do money. That, that, that doesn't motivate us enough. We go, I want to know my life makes a difference. And Jesus right here is saying, if you want the fruit of the Spirit that can make the difference in your life that you want it to make, you've got to be plugged into me. I'm the power source, I'm the generator, I'm the one who enables you to live this stuff out. But a lot of us, we, we plug in for an hour on a Sunday morning and expect that charge to last us the whole week. And it just doesn't work that way. Your battery will run out quicker than anything, right? As soon as Monday morning comes and, and the emails pile up and the kids are complaining and all that stuff, power goes way down. Can I get an amen, right? You're there with me. And so what is he saying? He's saying you've got to replug back in. Every night I plug in my phone to make sure it's charged for the next day. And that's what I would ask you if you don't see the fruit in your life that, that you want and you're not living with the confidence that you want. You don't have swag when it comes to your day-to-day routine and, and you're just trying to, to survive and not thrive. That if you want to thrive, I would say, are you, are you plugged in? Are you tapped into the power source or or is it a, is a brief charge on a Sunday, and, and then maybe, you know, Wednesday, I, I reconnect, and I pray for a little bit, and I plug back in, but it's saying, no, every day, you need to power up as a believer, tap into the power source that Jesus is saying, if you remain in me, I will remain in you, so how do we remain, how do we stay connected, first of all, is prayer, what we talked about earlier is that, that Jesus, you know, it used to be that you would have to go to someone to, to pray for you, that you didn't have the access to God. And depending on your background, whether you're Catholic or not, maybe you went to a priest and you would ask them to, to go to God on your behalf. And that's what they had to do in the Old Testament. That The Bible said when Jesus died that the veil was torn. Between us and God, there was this veil, and so only a select group could go to God. And it said when Jesus died, that it tore the veil, that anyone who has belief in Jesus has direct access to him. That you can talk to him whenever you want. It doesn't have to be at church. It doesn't have to be when worship music's playing in the background and the scene is set just right. And you can go, all right, now we and God can talk anytime you want. So in the midst, you just, you know, you just messed up and you just you know, you know, blurted off something at your kid and snapped at him. And you're like, man, I don't want that. Right then and there, God, help me not to do that anymore. 
You can talk to God instantly whenever you want. He desires to be a part of your life. He wants to have conversation with you. He wants you to remain in him. And so how do you remain in him? It's it's, it's daily connecting with him, daily talking to him, not just the set time of the week. How else do we do that? It's reading God's word. So much of what God wants you to know is he's already given to us in his word. A lot of times we're like, God, please help me, give me wisdom. And we need to do that, but so much of it is already here. I remember growing up, my great-grandmother um, I used to go and mow her grass in, in high school. She lived over by Northland Mall, remember Northland Mall, uh, over that way. And I would, I would put my mower in the back, my dad's mower actually, in the back of my car. And I would drive over to her house. And she was in her 90s when she died. And even up until the last year of her life, she was still living on her own. My, my great-grandfather had passed long before her. And my great-grandfather was a pastor. And he was a preacher, and so my great-grandmother was a, was a preacher's wife. And I can remember all the time going into her house, and, and as I would cut the grass, she would make me grilled cheese. And, and as she got up in her later years, the grilled cheese just wasn't as good as it used to be. And it would be burnt quite often, and she would offer me a pop, and it was, you know, about five years expired, Diet Pepsi, you know. And she, every time I'd be mowing the grass, and, and I knew that she was going to have that meal waiting for me, and I would sit down with her, and I'd pull into her living room, and she had a chair where she sat, and there, my great-grandfather's chair was over on the other side, and right next to her on her, her end table there was her Bible. And, and every day that I came in there, that she was well into her 90s, and, and every time I went there, she was still in God's Word. Like, I don't even know, by the time she died, I think she had read through the entire Bible multiple times. And she would read in there and she would have a conversation with me and she would tell me about what God spoke to her that day. That even as a, a widow, home, you know, bedridden, you know, in her house, couldn't get out on her own, living there, that, that the person she talked to the most was Jesus. Like that was her greatest companion. That's who, that, that, at 90, she's like, I still need to plug in every day. And it motivated me as a teenager to go, wow. That even at that age, even at that, is still being consistent in God's word. It's very important. How else do we stay plugged in? Serving and getting involved and, and giving back. And I, I think God connects with me in ways that when I serve, greater than any other ways, where, where you're honoring him and you're giving of your time to him, where we can connect with God in that way. And then, and then also through life groups that we've launched here. So excited about the stories that are coming out of life groups and seeing what God is doing, the community that's being built. But Ecclesiastes 4 tells us that two people are better than one for they can help each other succeed. Where we, we help each other when we are together and doing life together, staying connected in that way, that's how we remain in him. But today, the, the choice is up to you whether or not you want to remain or you don't want to remain in Jesus. He, did, he said, you remain in me and I will remain in you. Not, I will remain in you so you can remain in me. He says, you have to make a choice because that's how he works. He gives us free will. And when we choose Christ, we can instantly connect with him. And he desires to connect with us. So today, when life gets tough, look, you're not always going to have your swag. Life will throw you some curveballs if it hasn't already, and and it continually will. There's going to be times where it's difficult. There's going to be times when you get knocked down, and and, and you lose your confidence, and you make mistakes. But I want to tell you that all you have to do in the middle of those tough times is just remain. So when the marriage gets rocky, remain. Don't run. Don't unplug. Don't disconnect. I know you're going to want to. It's our natural human tendency is to avoid conflict, is to get away from situations that aren't pleasing. But the Bible says when you remain in that situation, that God remains in you. 
When you remain in Christ, even though the finances aren't good, and even though the job you just lost, and your health is failing, and there's conflict in your relationships and your your family, that when you remain, when you make a choice to say, I am remaining, I can't move forward, I don't have the swag to do it, I don't have the confidence, but I'm not going to move backwards. I'm going to stand my ground, I'm going to remain. And when you make a choice to do that, in the middle of your tough situations, God is there. When you remain in him, he remains in you. God wants you to live a life of swag. He wants you to live a life of confidence. But you have to make a choice to every day connect with Jesus. Not just on a Sunday, not just a couple times a week, but saying, I need to charge up every day. Life is hard enough to do without God. I need him every day to live the life that God wants me to do. So we have to choose to plug into him. The second thing that we need to do and if we're going to have lasting swag is we need to then be prepared. What do I mean by that? Is this, is that when you get your confidence, when you get, when you get a swag with God and you start walking in that confidence, walking in your purpose, the Bible says that we have someone who is against us, the devil, that since he's been tossed out, that he has no chance with God anymore, that he wants to take as many people down with him. And so when we get confident in him, in Christ, the devil is going to be getting on the offensive really quick. I don't know about you and your walk with God, how long it's been, but some of the times where I've had like the greatest spiritual highs with, with God, or really sometimes right before I feel like I'm about to get a breakthrough, I get attacked big time. Just stuff does not go well. And you think, well, it's a coincidence, you know, the, the tire goes flat, you know. Whatever it is, just stuff starts happening that, that tries to pull you down to rob you of that. In 1 Peter 5 verse 8, he tells us this. He says, stay alert. Look at your neighbor and say, stay alert. Maybe you need to say, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Stay alert, he says. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So it says, stay alert. What's that mean? It says that, that when you get swag, when you get confidence, when God's moving in your life, that what we need to do is kind of walk around with our spiritual dukes. You know what I'm saying? Like, get your dukes up spiritually. And when something good's happening and you're making a choice to connect with God, to move forward in your relationship, and you're every day stepping forward in faith, that, that guess what? That, that, that you're going to get attacked. So you got to be ready. You kind of got to get the bob and weave going on. That, you know, hey, even though you throw that punch, I'm, 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 I'm bobbing and weaving. I'm prepared for what's going to come against me. A lot of times, we're not prepared for what's going to come against us, and we just get blasted. You ever got sucker punched before or seen someone get sucker punched where they didn't see it coming, right? It's almost like immediate knockout, right? But when you're prepared and you grit your teeth and you, you can take a punch. And so the enemy's going to throw some punches. He's going he's to get some blows in on you, but if you're prepared, then you'll withstand the punch. I remember growing up playing sports and, and we, you would watch film on, on your opponent, Right? They do that still today. NFL, they spend hours. Basketball, no matter what the sport, they spend time watching their opponent. Why do they spend time watching their opponent? Because one, they're trying to see what kind of game they have. Two, they're trying to look for weak areas that they can expose, right? You know, where the, your coach tells you, hey, the running back's got a bad knee. You know, take him out. Or hey, you know, sweep the lick on Johnny. You know what I mean? It's a weak area. So they, they want to expose the areas that are weak so they can exploit them. And, and win. And so it's the same way in our life. The enemy watches film on us. 
He knows your weak areas. He knows the, the battle that you have with lust. He knows the temptation that's there. He knows the issues that you have. And so, so he's ready. He's not, he's not stupid. It says he prowls. He, he looks for his moment to where he can attack. He doesn't just throw random stuff at you. He knows exactly what's going to pull you away from God's plan for life. So, so we have to be prepared. We have to know our own weaknesses. We have to know the areas that are, that are weak in our life that the enemy is going to come after to rob our swag. We've got to know what they are. So then we set up boundaries. So if you've battled lust and you've done those things, get, get, program, get some software on your computer that protects you, that, that does those things, that you get accountability in your life. If you have struggles in areas, you, you let other people know. You have people pray for you. And you know, hey, this is a weak area for me. This is where I'm vulnerable to attack, so I'm going to be defensive. I'm going to be ready. My dukes are up. I know the enemy is going to come. He's not going to rob me, rob me of my swag. I'm not going to give in to him because I'm ready. I'm ready for whatever he throws at me. So we get prepared for that. Here's the thing. If you go into battle unprepared, you will be beat. It's that simple. If you go into battle, and the Bible says every day is a battle. You step into that battle unprepared, you will be beat. But if you're prepared, you've studied You've prepared for the, for, the, for the match. You will win. How many of you remember Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson fight? How many of you remember that, right? Those of you, Buster Douglas was a local guy here in Columbus, and I think it was about 1990, if I'm correct. I was watching some old YouTube videos of it yesterday, but him and Mike Tyson fought in, I think, Japan, somewhere way over uh, in the eastern part of our world, and and they, they went into this fight, and Tyson was heavily favored, right? Like, Buster Douglas was a no-name guy, was definitely going to get knocked out. That was when Mike Tyson, you know, 30 seconds in the ring, he's knocking out half the guys that come into him. You know, it was just, and, and that's what everyone expected to happen with Buster Douglas. Well, they get into the fight, and, and it's, it's getting late, you know? And, and, and not just as Buster was on the defense at first. He's kind of trying to figure it out. But then he got on the offensive, and he started boxing, and he started hitting and scoring. And, and all of a sudden, Mike Tyson, you know, kind of found himself in a situation that he hadn't been in before. And they get later into the flight. And Buster Douglas got knocked down, I think, a couple different times. But he got back up, and he got stunned a couple times, and he kept fighting. And in the 10th round of that fight, he knocked out Mike Tyson, like, shocked the world. I remember I was listening to the YouTube video yesterday and the guy's like, this makes Cinderella, the announcer's like, this makes Cinderella look like a sad story that Mike Tyson got knocked out by no-name Buster Douglas. But what happened to Mike Tyson? Mike Tyson probably would have beat him nine out of ten times, maybe ten out of ten, if he was prepared. That's what came back. Tyson didn't train well, he didn't prepare well. He thought, I'm going to run over him like I've run over everyone else. And he got knocked out because he wasn't prepared for the fight. We have to be prepared for the fight that's coming against us. It's not something that's fun to preach. It's not the most popular thing in the world. But here's the reality of the truth is that you have an enemy who desires to get in the ring with you every day. He wants to fight you. He wants to exploit your weak areas. He wants to knock you off the path that God has for you. But thankfully, because of what Jesus did, is that he's given us everything we need to be prepared for the fight. In Ephesians chapter 6, 13 through 17 says this, for we are not fighting against flesh and, flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers, 
in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. So when he attacks, be prepared. Have the armor on. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So the devil will attack. We have to be prepared, and it says this is how we can be prepared, that we put on the armor of God, that we know his truth, that we know his word, that we know that we're called by him. And the enemy, his main weapon, his main offensive attack at you is is lies. The Bible says that he is the father of all lies, that all lies are birthed from him. That's what he's going to tell you to do. So he's going to say, hey, I know that you said that you're going to be faithful, that you're going to work on your marriage, all those things. You ain't ever going to do it. That's what he tells you. And we can begin to buy into those things. And so how do we defeat the enemy is that we, we take the sword, the Bible, the truth of God, and we defeat the lies with the truth. So what lies does he use on you? It's being prepared for battle, doing your study, knowing your weak areas. What does he whisper in your ear? What does he tell you that you'll never accomplish? What does he tell you that you'll never finish? What does he tell you that you'll never accomplish when it comes to your walk with God and your marriage and raising your kids? What lies does he tell you? Well, then you defeat them with the truth of God. The word of God is full of truth. The Bible says his promises are yes and amen. So be it in your life that those promises are for you. I love what Martin Luther said. He said, the devil fears the word of God. He can't bite it because it breaks his teeth. The word of God defeats the enemy. He can't stand against it. The Bible says in the name of Jesus, he has to flee. So he has to get out of the ring. So when you start speaking God's truth, the devil gets away. You get on the offensive. Don't just be defensive. All those other weapons are defensive. Blocking, blocking. But we got to get on the offense if we're ever going to knock them out, right? If we're ever going to have victory. And he says the way that you get on the offense is with the word of God. That you fight back with the truth of God's word. Psalm 119, 9 through 11, David said, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living in accordance to your word. He said, I seek you with all of my heart. I do, not let, do not let me stray from your commands. He says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In order to defeat the enemy with God's word, you've got to know it. You've got to spend time in it. You have to connect to God. You have to remain in him. And we do that. God's given us everything we need to be prepared and ready for the battle that we live in. So we got to be prepared. We have to remain in Christ. The third thing, if we're going to live with swag, is, is that we can never quit. You can never quit. Galatians 6, 9 through 10 says, So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we'll, we will reap a harvest, a good crop, if we don't give up or quit. So the only way to lose this battle that we're in, because we're in it, and we're going to be in it till the day we die, the only way not to lose is to just not quit. You're going to get knocked down. Buster Douglas, he got knocked down, but he got back up. Because he got back up, he was able to endure. He was able to win the fight. So today, you may have failed in your past, but you're not a failure. We've all failed, but that doesn't make you a failure. And what we have to realize is this failure is never final unless you quit, regardless of what you've done. You can experience God's grace and forgiveness. It may take time to repair relationship. Those that you've hurt, people don't forgive as quick as God do, but there's still hope. There's still a future as long as we don't.
quit. Failure is never final. The enemy cannot take your swag. He can't take your confidence. He can't take God's plan from you, but you can give it to him. You can say, hey, I give up. I quit. I see it happen all the time. It breaks my heart as a pastor. When people face adversity, where they, they have struggles, they, they don't remain, they unplug, and they just, they just quit. And it, it breaks my heart to go, man, that's the last thing that you want to do right now. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But never quit. Never give up. Because if you don't, you will endure. You will get through. God is faithful. His promises are still for you, but you can't quit. The only way that you can't experience God's fullness and blessing on your life is when you quit, is when you walk away. We can't quit. We can't give up. I love Thomas Edison said, he said, I have not failed. I just found 10,000 ways that didn't work. Took him 10,000 times to figure out how to get the light bulbs to work. These things. 10,000. They said there was an interview with him. There's like 9,000 times where he had failed. And someone said, when are you going to just quit? When are you just going to give up? He said, I can never give up because I just never know if the next try is going to be the breakthrough that I'm looking for. And today I want to encourage you that. No matter what you find yourself in today, that you can walk with confidence. You can walk with swag. You can because your breakthrough could be just around the corner. And if you give up, all you have is one more turn to go, and there it was going to be. But if you quit, you'll never experience what God has for you, regardless of, of what your job may be like, regardless of what your marriage, regardless of all those things. The only way for you to lose is to quit. So he says, don't quit. At the right time, when God's ready, you will break through. Nelson Mandela said, the greatest glory in living, in, uh, living lies in not in never failing, but in rising Every time we fall. That's why Rocky is one of the most popular movie series of all time. I was watching an interview with, with Sly and he was talking about that, that he wrote that in just a matter of, of, of weeks or days or something. He, he wrote that. He'd never written a movie before. He felt like it was something that he had and he attributed it to, to God and God giving him this message. And they said, you know, why... Why, why has Rocky been so popular? You know, why are people flocking, you know, to see the 6-1? And, and I know there were some bad ones in there, you know what I mean? But, but, but they just keep coming back. Why is this so popular? I think they filmed the whole movie in like three weeks and on a very, very low budget. And he said, well, because people love someone who doesn't give up. People are drawn to that because that's what they aspire to be. They want, they love the story of the underdog, you know, coming out on top. And today, you might feel like the underdog, but, but Rocky, you know, the whole eye of the tiger thing that no matter what it was, he wasn't the most talented, he wasn't the most gifted guy in the world. He was just an average Joe that did extraordinary things because he was determined not to give up. Because no matter how many times he got knocked down, Rocky always got up, right, to a fault. It's like, dude, just stay down. Mr. T is wrecking you, you know. Apollo is jacking you up, Rocky, throwing the towel. You know, and I, I love that, that, that Mick, you know, his, his corner man, his, his trainer there, and, and he would always scream at Rocky. He said, you get up, because Mickey loves you. Get up. Mickey loves you. Mickey's cheering for you. How much greater is the coach in our corner? That Jesus, it says he's cheering you on. 
that he died so that you could live with swag, so you could have this confidence that, that he wants you to have, that you could be used by him to make an impact in this world, and he's cheering you on from heaven. And when you get knocked down, he doesn't go, you're a failure, you screwed up again. That's the enemy throwing the lies at you. Jesus is going, it's okay, get back up, because I love you, because I have a purpose. I'll use your pain. You have no idea how I can make this work for you. So no matter where you're at today, no matter how far in the count, you may be on number nine and you feel like the the referee's about to call the fight, just get up. Just don't quit. Because if you keep on, God will use you. You will finish strong because God isn't concerned with how you start the fight. He's concerned with how you finish. And the only way you can lose is when you quit. The band's going to come. We're going to close out today. I love in John 15 where we, were, we read today where Jesus encourages his followers to remain in him. He says, here's the deal. You've got to remain. You've got to make the choice to connect. You remain in me. And then as it goes on in that chapter, he says this. He says, John chapter 15, verses 12 through 17, he says, and this is my command. So he tells them to remain and you'll have fruit, that you'll have fruit that lasts. He says, my command is this. He says, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from the Father I've made known to you. In verse 16, he says, you did not choose me. I chose you and I appointed you to go and bear fruit. I appointed you to go and live with swag. I appointed you to go and live with confidence. I didn't appoint you to quit. I didn't appoint you to back down. I didn't appoint you to throw in the towel. He said, I appointed you to go and to bear the fruit. And he says, and that fruit will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. So swag, really, if you sum up the fruit of the Spirit, if you sum up living a life of swag, making a difference, having an impact, knowing you're fulfilling God's purpose, it really comes down to love. Jesus says you're going to have fruit, you'll have fruit that lasts, but the way that it, the the greatest indicator, the, the the greatest piece of fruit of my spirit that's most evident on the tree of your life is love, loving people. Because out of our love for God, when we love him and we remain in him, he enables us to love the way that he wants us to love. He will lead you to people who need a word of encouragement. He will encourage you to to help someone. And in just the right time, you'll speak a word to someone. It'll lift their spirits. He'll use you. And again, people aren't looking just to make money with their life. They want to know they're making a difference. And when you know God is using you to make a difference in the world, to, to show his love to others who are looking so desperately for the answer, man, that's living in sweat. That's living confident and going, man, God's using me, me, this guy who was jacked up, broken, fam- all the stuff that, that you've gone through, that I've gone through, that God still is using me. Someone's like, well, the other day, like, hey, Kyle, you know, you just don't get it. You're a pastor. You know, you get all that. The only thing that enables me to stand up here with all of my faults, with all of my issues is God's grace, is God's love, and his purpose for my life. And thankfully, I've never quit. That's the only difference between 
maybe where you're at and where I'm at. That God's called me, that he's gifted me, and his grace is what enables me to do what I do. And it'll enable you to do what you do if you don't give up. So today as we close out, I just want to challenge you. Are you plugged in? I know everyone in here wants to be fruitful in their life, knowing that their life is making a difference. We all want that. But I would ask you, are you plugged in? Are you tapped into the power source? Because Jesus said, if you're not, I'm the vine. I'm the one who's going to give life to you. I'm going to one who's going to enable you to do these things. And if you're not plugged in, he said, you can't do anything. He said, apart from me, nothing. No swag, no confidence, no purpose. But with me, he said, you can do anything. He said, you can ask for anything in my name, and I can give that to you.